right. So we are in week, I think, three of, uh, of a series called The Purpose of Praise. It's got a really pretty graphic, someone really good at graphic design made. And uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm really loving the series. And I'm realizing as I'm reading scripture these days that praise is just everywhere. Every, praise is just, I mean, maybe it's obvious to you, but praise is just riddled through the Bible. One, one of the things I love to do is just uh, when there's a new series or something, and there's a, usually there's a pivotal word or there's something that we're kind of concentrating on. And then you kind of start thinking about that and you just start reading the Bible through that lens. And it's amazing how rich the words of Scripture are and how they're, you, can, you can see, you can read the same passage like for the thousandth time and you kind of have some other word in your mind and you see it and it's like that pops out. And so I've just been in awe as I've been studying for these things. Uh, we're going to be preaching uh, out of Psalm 65 today. And so the, the, the title of today's message is, What is the purpose of praising God for his creation, for his works, for the things that he's done? Just kind of the stuff that, to be honest, sometimes just goes by and feels really obvious to me. Like, oh yeah, God created the world. Fantastic. Oh yeah, God did a bunch of things. Oh yeah, God's in control of everything. Awesome. But um, there's the, you read the Psalms and it's just... There are so many psalms. I just picked one. There was like 35 to pick from or something. I liked Psalm 65 the best, so we'll read that one today. But there's just so many psalms about David and other authors just praising God for all that he's done. And it seems obvious, but it kind of got me thinking, why did they spend so much time doing that? might have got a little repetitive, um, you know, and, and you just keep praising God for things he's done. So we're going to unpack today. Uh, why I believe God still commands us to, 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 to thank him for all the things he's done. And I'm hopefully it's not going to stay obvious, but it kind of has to start there. So I want to read Psalm 65. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read out of the actual Bible. I don't think it's going to be on the screen. So I'd like to read Psalm 65. It's a little chunk, so if you have it on your phone or there's pews Bibles in front of you, it's one of the ones I have right now. So you can follow along with me. Psalm 65. If you're going to pick up one of the Bibles in front of you, it's on page 410. Psalm 65, praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we are overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those who, choo- who you choose and bring near to life in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest seas, who formed the mountain by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas and the roaring of the waves and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders, where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. Just beautiful language. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow, and the hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. That's, that's nice. That's, that's nice to read. And you kind of, I, I read these things, and um, they're kind of... Uh, Sometimes they feel a little bit distant to me. There's a lot of, like, I'm, on one level, I'm, I'm really stoked that God is calming the waters. I'm, I'm glad that there's, you know, sheep on the hills, and I'm, that's a good thing. 
and you know the grains, grains are full. But all this, sometimes when you read these things, it just feels rather distant. So what I, what I glean from it just off the cuff for us is God is obviously in control. He's obviously in control. That's if you, if you gathered one thing from that passage, he's in control of everything. And they're trying to use poetic language to capture something that words can't capture, right? That's kind of, I don't know, it's a good definition of poetry. Maybe I just made that up. But it's, it's, it's words trying to encapture something that words can't capture, right? So they do their best and they talk about seas and grain and sheep and stuff. But the idea here is that God is just fully in control. Okay, so that's good. But it still feels a little distant for me. So what is the point what is the point of praising God for his creation? The actual act of writing this out, going, God, thank you for being in control. Thank you for being so powerful for this simple creation. And I admit it feels distant to me sometimes. It really does. And this is a huge chunk of scripture. So I kind of read that, and it reminded me of like a, um, you know, that's maybe if you were in Sunday school ever, that song, uh, you know, he's got the whole world in his hands, and you sing that like 25 times, and that's the whole song. <laughs> he's got the whole world in his hands, and you sing it over and over and over again. And uh, it kind of took me back to, to Sunday school. And it's a very simple song, but like, how's it going? Rem- like, so what? <laughs> you know, he's got the whole world in his hands. How does, that, how does that actually impact us today? And perhaps it feels obvious, but I'd like to delve into it going... Uh, God, you have the whole world in your hands. You're in control of everything. You're God, after all. How does that affect my decisions? How does that affect the way I live today? So there's, a, there's an argument that I, I kind of want to make today. And uh, we're going we're gonna to spend our time kind of defending this statement. But I just want to give it to you off the cuff so you kind of know how to filter everything I'm going to say. Okay, so the thing that we're going to try to defend today is praising God for his sovereignty uh, sets us free from worry and anxiety. Praising God for his sovereignty sets us free from worry and anxiety. I think you can click, Vic. And then, yeah, there we go. So uh, how? How does praising God for his sovereignty set us free from worry and anxiety? I, uh, I find myself so grateful that God is God, but so often do I let him be sovereign in my life? Do I let him actually have control? Do I let the fact that he is God dictate the way that I live? Or is he just like a very interesting thing to study? Is he a very fascinating entity that provides great morals and is just a fascinating thing to sort of look into? But is he actually God in the very definition of what that word means? So I've got a couple things that uh, I'd like to unpack for us uh, in terms of what about praising God for these things? What about actually giving him this act of praise how does this set us free from anxiety and worry? How does the utterance of these things, how does the, the sort of admission of, of, of how powerful you are, and even just saying it out loud and walking through our days going, I'm so glad I have a God. How does this affect us? So um, the first one is I believe that praise is humility. Praise is humility. If you remember from two weeks ago when we did the intro, one of the sort of the premises that we were going to frame this series in was that uh, praise and pride are opposites. You can't be prideful and, and praise somebody else. You can't be, to, to give someone praise is to say, you are just better than me in <laughs> so many ways. And here's all the ways you're better than I am. That's kind of what praise is in a way. And we talked about how it's easy to praise people that you don't feel that, you know, you feel like are worse than you in certain things. You can praise them. But praising someone who's better than you sometimes is a very difficult act. So how is praise humility? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. 
So we've all, you know, many of us have heard this verse before, probably thousands of times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him. In other words, you know, praise him. Give him have, have him be God in your life. Trust in the Lord. Um, okay, so uh, doing worship ministry for the last little while, I love it. It's fantastic. I love praise. And, uh, and sometimes I have this like, um, this little bone to pick sometimes with worship sometimes is that it doesn't feel intellectual. Do you know what I mean? Worship and praise, it doesn't feel like I'm necessarily learning something. Like we sing the same thing over a bunch and, uh, you know, we, we've sang songs 25 times and I, it doesn't feel like a very intellectual exercise to me. For a person who likes to understand stuff, for a person who likes to learn about God because it's so fascinating, what is the point of just giving him, giving him praise in this non-intellectual sort of way? I said, I didn't learn anything. You read this psalm, and it's just stating, it's just stating amazing things about who God is. But uh, why, is, why is it good that it's not intellectual? Why is, it, why is it good that you don't have to learn something? You're just giving praise to God. So um, there's this one song that's particularly repetitive, okay? And it, it made its rounds through camp, and then it made its way through church, and now it's kind of, people don't really play it very much anymore. But uh, it's a song called Nothing I Hold On To, and it's by, uh, by a guy named Will Regan, Okay. And this song is just extra repetitive. It's, if you remember it, it's the one that goes, I lean not on my own understanding, and then my life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. And you sing that like 42 more times, right? And then, uh, and then there's one other part that you just repeat over and over and over again. So this one time, I was at, uh, we were doing one of the chapels at John Oliver like four years ago, a bunch of youth, and that was when that song was really, really big. And, uh, and you know, it was one of those really, really Holy Spirit moments where we sang it extra long and repeated it an extra amount of times. And it was just a phase in worship where we just sang it over and over again. Maybe some of you remember this. Uh, it was powerful. It was the right thing to do, but it was, whatever, a little monotonous. So afterwards, I had what, an older gentleman who was in the back who came to, to, the, to the, this particular chapel, and he pulled me aside and he said, uh, he said, um, that song is, is uh, it, it, it disturbs me. I was like, wow, that's a strong word, disturbs. He says, it says, he says it, it's too simple. It's too, um, it's not meaty enough. And, and then he went on to explain how chanting things over and over again was incantational and, you know, brought about the devil's work and things. He was a much older gentleman. But I'm like, okay, well, I just heard him out. But his main point was, that song is just too simple. We're not learning anything. And then you know in, that mo in a moment where you, you know, you're corrected by somebody and you just go, oh yeah, okay, thanks. And then you're like staring at your ceiling in bed later that night and you're like, oh, I should have said that. That would have been perfect as like a rebuttal. Well, I'm thinking about that song and the verse is, I lean not on my own understanding. Like the point of the song is not intellectual. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm pretty sure that was the author intended. Is I don't just my life is in the hands of the maker of heaven and I'm going to say it again and I'm going to say it again and I'm going to say it again. So I got his point. You're right. I love hymns, and I love the meaty hymns that, you know, where you learn something, and it's old, and it's great. I love those things. But sometimes there's an aspect to our praise that is just not intellectual, and it's about a surrender. It's about like a, a currency that you just can't buy. So I have, um, I, have a, I have a friend or two in this world who um, uh, Maybe, maybe you have some like, people like this too. This is not something I personally struggle with. I struggle with lots of other things, but this is something that I feel like I've, God's really given me a grace in, is that uh, my, my God is not my intellect. I, I'm really comfortable being okay with not understanding things, okay? So I have some friends who just, that is not okay. 
<laughs> I have to understand. I must understand everything about everything. I must, uh, the limit, and this is, this is where it kind of sort of takes a downturn, is the limit to what I can obey God with is to what I can understand. And my intellect must, is like the forefront, cutting edge of things. And man, do I frustrate them sometimes when they go, what about this? And I'm just like, I don't know. And they're like, how, do you, how are you okay with that? I'm like, that's actually where I find Jesus the most, is in the mystery of this thing. It's in this, I lean not on my own understanding. I know that I'm not uh, capable of getting it. And so I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you because that's my response to my just never, I just admitting I'm never going to know. Here's the problem that I find when we, when, we, when we are prideful and when we do make our intellect our gods and when we do make understanding something is it affects our ability to praise. But man, does it, it just ushers in anxiety. When we are our own, when, like especially our intellect, when our own minds become the, become the cutting edge, uh, become the, the capacity to which we can serve and understand God and love him, that's a very troubling thought. So I, pride and praise are opposites to me, where if we can praise, we can praise God in a non-intellectual, God, you are, I lean on, on my own understanding sort of way. The capacity of that is just limitless. Now here's what I'm not saying, is I'm not saying be ignorant, Okay, so uh, what, I, what I would encourage you is don't, don't confuse ignorance with humility. Ignorance is one thing, you know, it's, 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 it's good to learn things and it's good to understand things, I'm not saying that. But the driving force of my life, I pray, is my ability to be humble and admit that I have a God. Admit that I have a God that I can't fully understand sometimes. Admit that the only response sometimes to this God is just to praise and worship him and be grateful that I have one. Be grateful that I have a God. So, um, I believe that praise is humility. And we're just surrendering things to him. And uh, as we're humble and realize that we're probably not the most capable people of being our own gods. We talk in that ch our church a lot about that. We're just make really, really bad gods. As the humility of, 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 of realizing that that's true, uh, I find in my life anxiety just dissipates. Because like, oh, I actually have a God. This is fantastic. So that's the first one I'd like to leave with us is just, I believe praise is humility. Praise is humility. And when we praise God that he is God, it sets us free from our anxiety. But being humble is difficult sometimes. Of course it is. It really is. But I believe that, I mean, according to this Proverbs verse, lean not on your own understanding. So the second one is praise is gratitude. Praise is gratitude. Let's do another Bible verse. This is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Uh, There's another famous verse. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, this, the word that jumped out to me when I read this verse, again, was, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So, uh, I've, I think that anxiety and thankfulness are opposites. I don't know, how could you describe a situation in where you could be anxious and grateful at the same time? It'd be very difficult. Do we find ourselves being grateful for things? Praise is gratitude. It says in this verse that don't be anxious, but be thankful. And I, I, putting those two things on the opposite side for a second is like, okay, my response to the anxieties of this world, to the things that should worry me, are um, thank me. Thank me for who I am. 
It's a very, that doesn't feel like the thing I jump to all the time, especially when I want something fixed, when I'm living in this world and I'm going, I want that done. And he says, no, 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 uh, pray with petition and be thankful to me. Be thankful for what I've done. And I spend so much time thinking about the actual uh, situation of my anxiety or my worry or the thing that's bugging me. Maybe you can think of something right now that's causing anxiety in your heart and causing you to worry and doubt. Um, uh, what if our response to that was God's like, what if you thanked me for the things I've already accomplished? What if you thanked me for all the things that I'm worthy of being thanked for, which isn't a response I choose often. So I believe that anxiety and thankfulness are op opposites. And so when we come here and we sing, we're going, God, thank you for all that you've done. So at first we're saying, I'm not my own God and I'm, I'm humbly responding to you. I'm humbly uh, uh, acknowledging your position in my life. And the second thing we do is we say, God, I'm grateful for the things that you've done. And the third thing, and this is one I want to spend a little bit more time on, is I believe is praise is seeking him. Praise is seeking him. So how does seeking him release anxiety? Let's talk about this. Uh, I want to read just a little chunk here from Matthew. These are Jesus' words. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or, or about your body, what you'll wear. Uh, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, uh, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into a fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day, has, each day has enough trouble of its own. So, what is Jesus saying here? Uh, God is saying, praise me, seek first my kingdom, seek first my righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But what, what I've never realized after reaching this, re reason, re like reading this verse, it says, seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added. When I read that, maybe you're like me. When I first read that verse, I'm going, seek first his kingdom, and then I put the emphasis on, and all these things will be added unto me. Like, oh, fantastic. Got it, seek first his kingdom. Oh, but all these things, all these things. And you go backwards in the verse, and Jesus spent the previous eight verses going, what are, like, what are, what is food? What is, what is clothes? What is the things of this world? And then he kind of goes, seek first his kingdom, and then all these things will be added unto you. you know, like, there's a tone that needs to be put on this verse that says, I just spent all this time explaining how none of this stuff actually really matters eternally. And then I say, but seek first his kingdom. And he gives this little window into, you know, and all these things will be added. And I'm going, oh, fantastic, because I love all those things, and I really want all those things added unto me. And perhaps what Jesus is saying here is he going, uh, uh, when we seek him, we are given what we truly need. What we truly need. And uh, uh, Jesus is saying, here's what, I, here's what I feel like he's actually saying, is you just don't know what you need. You don't know. I know. It's me. But 
we spend so much time not knowing what we need. And Jesus is saying, you actually don't know. You weren't even designed for this world. You weren't even made to be here. Like it was, uh, seek first my kingdom and, right, and my righteousness. I'm going to take care of you. So there is a, uh, there's a song that I really, really like. It's called Seek Your Kingdom, and it's by a, a band called King's Kaleidoscope. It's one of my favorite bands. They're kind of like a worship band, I guess, uh, from Seattle. And they have, a, they have like a, a song called Seek Your Kingdom, and it's got just great verses. I just want to read it out. It says this, <clears throat> I've been anxious and I can't sleep. Worthless worries burden me. I hunt the sun, chase the wind, till my tired spirit spins into the ground. When I try to take control, fear and terror grip my soul. I need joy, I need peace, I need rest, I need relief. I look to you and you teach me to seek your kingdom, seek your righteousness. And it repeats that over and over and over again. Seek your kingdom, seek your righteousness. That's the whole chorus. And, uh, and I find that so encouraging. Uh, oh man, I could unpack every single one of those lines. I just love it. But to me, this is, uh, to me, this is at the core of what praise is. And we can talk about how it's like, yeah, praise helps us be humble for sure. Yeah, praise helps us, um, uh, praise helps us uh, be grateful for things. Praise centers our hearts correctly. But I think what it mostly does is praise sets our eyes on what our souls truly need. Praise sets our eyes on the only one who can actually calm any storm. Praise sets our eyes on the one who uh, is the only one capable of taking away any of our anxiety or any of the worries of this world. And this verse where Jesus says, seek my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Um, th there's just a peace that rests on my soul with that. And I can just I, I attest to my life personally. I, uh, people keep asking me these days, Jonathan, what are you, uh, what's the, uh, what are you going to be in 10 years? For some reason, like 10 people have asked me this over the last three or four months. And I've just said, I have no idea. Like, I just, I have zero clue. Uh, and I'm so, every time someone asks me that, I'm overjoyed to tell them I have no idea. <laughs> and here's why. is because what I've settled in my heart is those bottom two lines there. So what I've said, th those are, that's a non-negotiable. And uh, I, can, I can identify with, uh, with what Jesus is saying in this passage. I really can. It's like, how much more are you worth than what, look around, look what I do. How much more are you worth than this? And I realize that, that there's these, these, um, these tones of irresponsibility. That's the word I hear, right? As soon as I say that, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, maybe the birds will feed me. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know what people say. But, uh, like, that's the exaggeration. And, uh, and the, the, the first line that goes in my head is, be responsible, Jonathan. Be responsible. Be career-minded or something. I don't know. Worry, anxiety, grip, right? Just uh, make a decision based on what you know and understand. Because you're awesome, by the way. And, like, and then the downward spiral happens, and all of a sudden I find myself not praising God at all. I find myself worshiping myself in a very subtle and accidental sort of way. But uh, I have found so much joy in the last little while telling people that I don't know what I'm doing because uh, God is just so evidently taking care of me. And there's a risk there's a risk in saying this, right? There's a risk in standing up here and saying, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything will be fine. But like I said before earlier, don't confuse ignorance with trust. 
And there is such thing as being an ignorant, but I, if I'm speaking honestly, what I weigh way more on the side of is not trusting. That's more the problem, if I'm real. And, I, and maybe I can speak for lots of us when I say, I don't trust all that much. And I find myself being anxious, not being able to sleep, with worse, worthless worries burdening me, and my tired spirit spins into the ground. And I, that, that feels like some days. But what would, it, what it would look like to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And that's going to look different for everybody. It will. But you know when you are. So I got one more slide up there. There's a, there's a line in our church uh, that maybe you've heard if you took transformations recently, you would have heard this line. And our definition of anxiety, which I super like, is uh, anxiety is what it feels like to mistrust God. Anxiety is what it feels like to not have a trust-based relationship with him. And um, that's just very true for me. And I found that helpful, right? Because a lot of the times when you feel anxious, you want to react and do things. And oftentimes, your response to anxiety should be a whole lot of action. It should be a whole lot of elbow grease. It might not be standing and waiting for the birds to feed you, as it were. It might be really, really hard work. Uh, who knows what the response to the anxiety is? But it's an indicator of the fact that there is the bedrock of our life, which is trust in the fact that we actually have a God. If that is there, um, the, the anxious feeling is, a, is an indicator of, of, a, of a, a lack of a foundation of a trust in who God is. So, uh, just to kind of tie a bow on this, is, is I believe that praise is a primary way we express trust in God. Praise is a primary way we express trust in God. And like I've said a, a bunch of times since we've had these messages recently on worship and on praise, we spend a lot of time doing that together. Have you noticed? It's like half the time. And uh, there's just been a real burden in my, in my soul recently to uh, just keep saying that over and over again. Like, why do we do this? Why do we sing these songs? It's a huge joy for me, by the way, um, to watch all these up-and-coming leaders lead and, and learn things, and just, uh, it brings me so much joy in my heart, and uh, it just really matters to me. This is the whole worship thing, this whole praise thing as a community really, really matters to me, and as I've been delving into it, I'm like, oh God, this is so key. This is so key. So perhaps today, you're someone that needs to praise God because you, there's pride in your heart, going, I, uh, I, this is what pride would sound like perhaps, is I don't understand what you're doing and I'm not okay with that. That could be what pride sounds like. I don't understand, that's a problem for me, and I will not praise you. Um, perhaps there's a, I, uh, th there's a, there's a, uh, something in your heart where it's, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not grateful. I, I feel anxious. I feel like there's something in my heart that is, that is not right and that I'm worried about my life. Maybe praise today looks like just being grateful for who God is. And, and maybe, maybe praising him perhaps a little bit, not intellectually, but in a way that is just beautiful. And I'm so glad that exists in Psalm 65. And perhaps today, and this is probably my favorite if I had to pick one for you, is maybe praising God today is just seeking him with that deepest part of your heart that maybe is not super understandable, that maybe will never make total sense, but is a pursuit of the currency that actually counts. It's the pursuit of the, of, the, of the spirit that has the power to have any of this actually be accomplished. So let us be a people that praises God. 
humbly. Let us be a people that praises God with gratitude. And let us be a people that praises God because we're just earnestly seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And I believe, as a nice little bonus, <laughs> that God will lift anxiety off of our hearts. And I, here's why I'm glad that he'll lift anxiety off our hearts, okay? I, I'm glad because I don't like being anxious, for one. But secondly, a reason that's not about me and feeling great, even though I like that, is uh, we're going to have to be a people that don't fear this world if God's going to use us to accomplish something. Uh, anxiety is just a, it's not going to work in our hearts if we're trying to go somewhere and do something, okay? It's really, being anxious is actually a really fun pastime if you don't want to go anywhere, it's kind of fun. It's something to talk about with people. You can problem solve all day long. You can have little community support groups about how to deal with whatever it is. Like, you can be stagnant forever with anxiety. In fact, anxiety is helpful. I encourage it if we're trying to stay stagnant. Uh, but if you try to go somewhere, God's like, you're really going to have to trust me because there's going to be so much you don't understand. There's going to be so much that isn't about you. And I promise you, I'm going to get all the glory for it because that's what's best for you too. And uh, I'm just going, God, can we please be a people that praise you uh, in a ways that we... <sighs> in ways that acknowledge your rightful place in our lives. Because I just, like, as we're thinking about, you know, uh, it was alluded to already today, I really believe that there's a season in our church that's coming up that's really exciting. And yeah, it's fun to hire somebody, that's cool. And all these new campus staff is fantastic as well. I'm really grateful for it. But there's something beyond that, that uh, there's a little intangible in my heart that I can't really shake. And uh, what I've been praying for these days is that God, um, I was, okay, so I just got to go away uh, for like two nights um, I've never done this before in my entire life, is I went away for two nights to, to, to the Van Vliet's cabin up on Harrison Lake, and I, I just was by myself for two nights. First time in history, okay? Um, actually, you know what? I lied. This, it's the second time. The first one, Chris, was actually in Thailand, okay? But that was the first time, because you abandoned me. But, uh, uh, <laughs> just kidding. But this is, the, so this is the second time. And uh, what, a, what a rich, anyway, I won't go there. But one of the things I wrote down in my little journal, in my little prayer journal or whatever, in my time in the woods, uh, is, uh, is I, I wrote down, God, if you, would, if you would use us for something, we'd be willing. I lumped you in. You, we is us. Sorry <laughs> if I spoke on behalf of you. Uh, if you would use us, we'd be willing. And, uh, and I just so happened to have to prepare for a sermon a few days later, and then I just felt like God is spoke to me and says, then don't, you can't be anxious then. You just, you just can't worry about stuff because I, I want to. I really do. So worship me. <laughs> Plan, strategize, hire people, blah, blah, blah. Worship me. Praise me. So um, in, in that vein, I'd like to invite the worship team back up. You get to practice right now. Uh, let me pray as we, uh, as the band gets ready. Father, we, uh, we are so grateful for your uh, presence here today. Uh, thank you that you're a God who's accessible, um, one that listens, uh, and one that is secure enough to ask us to praise you. <laughs> We're so grateful. And so, God, we come before you in humili humility today. We come before you in gratitude. Uh, but primarily, Lord, we just want to seek you and seek your face. And we just cry out that we need you. We need you. The, the fears, of the, the worries of this world grip our hearts. 
God, as we long to see a church that grows and advances your kingdom, the anxieties just seem to pile up and the temptation to sit and be stagnant grows. So Father, we admit that we are not capable of doing this on our own. We admit that we often aren't grateful for the things you have given us and we admit that we often do not seek you and your kingdom first. But God, would those be our priorities? And as they are our priorities, would you use of this community mightily? Would you use this community not because of its skill sets and not because of its circumstances and its talent or whatever it is, but would you use it because it's a people who choose to put you first? Would you use it because we're a people who praise you? Thank you that you, that's all you ask of us. And I, I just thank you for your creation and the works that you've done. God, we, do, we, we, we are grateful for you, God. We are grateful for the, for, the, for the feasts you prepare for us every day. We are grateful for the places that we live. We, we, we are so uh, humbled that you would use us. And so God, let this next time be sweet music to your ears. And if you would use us, we would be willing. In Jesus' name.